What is not so perfect on the perfect planet? While on a routine scouting mission in your spaceship, you receive orders to investigate Utopa, the most perfect planet in the universe. Starvation and outbreaks of fighting have recently overrun Utopa, and now it's your job to save it from complete destruction. Will you investigate Utopa by orbiting in your spaceship, or will you land and set out on foot? If you decide to orbit the perfect planet in your scout ship first, turn to page 56. If you decide to explore on foot, turn to page 32. But beware, there are deadly forces at work on Utopa. If you're not careful, you may be vaporized by an alien armada, or you may restore peace on Utopa and perhaps even on Earth. What happens next in the story? It all depends on the choices you make. How does the story end? Only you can find out. And the best part is that you can keep reading and rereading until you've had not one, but many incredibly daring experiences. You're the star. 20 exciting endings. Choose your own adventure, book 80, The Perfect Planet by Edward Packard. Illustrated by Leslie Morrow. Welcome to Incredibly Daring, a podcast where we read vintage choose your own adventure books to each other and make generally poor decisions. I'm Jason. I'm Connie. I'm Jeremy. So, 80s era pink and yeah, bluish spacesuit. I like the boots. That, yeah, that's a badass spacesuit. Moon and, boots. And a Greedo alien. And a, yeah, Greedo. Yeah. Well, no, that's, that's Green Mac and me. Oh, yeah. oh yeah, that's full on Mac and me, mm-hmm. except green. It's creepy hands. Well, and so did the Mac and me aliens too. That's true. So, I think because we were talking about this in a previous episode, we were talking about this in the um, Return to Atlantis episode about the authors kind of cannibalizing previous material, mm-hmm. and I feel like this is Edward Packard doing this as well, except in a slightly different manner. He wrote a book. I think it was book 12, I think, called UFO 5440. Mm-hmm. And part of that book, there's a, a section that you can only get to if you cheat mm. or you find the perfect planet, which in that book is called Ultima. This seems like that exact same premise, except where he focuses entirely on the perfect planet. So it feels like authors who have been at this for a while are going back and just kind of cannibalizing old material. Rediscovering new things to do with the old stuff, hopefully. Hopefully. Mm. I don't think this is a direct sequel to UFO fifty four forty or anything like that. Yeah. Just kind of recycling some old ideas that you might have had. Yeah. Warning. Do not read this book straight through from beginning to end. These pages contain many different adventures you may have when you investigate a report of habitat unrest on the perfect planet. As you read along you will be able to make choices, and the adventures you have will be the result of those choices, but be careful. Think carefully before you make a choice. A tyrant from another galaxy is out to destroy the perfect planet, and he will try to destroy you if you get in his way. Good luck. There is a historical note. Oh, hot damn. A history of what exactly? That's what I was wondering, too. Uh, Historical note, this book could not have been written if it had not been for the courageous pioneering work of Spencer Compton, 
who discovered Utopa, the perfect planet, while on a mission for the Federation. Okay, so this is some bullshit. All right. It's a fake history. Okay. It was Compton who first observed the grave troubles that arose on Utopa, and it was his report that led Federation Command to send you to investigate. That story, your story, is described in the pages that follow. As for Spencer Compton, may he rest in peace, he has been assigned by Federation Command to the University of Colorado, where he is carrying out advanced studies of planet Earth. He lost a bet to a friend. Is this book dedicated to someone? (laughs) That guy, apparently. Spencer Compton sounds... Maybe he lost a bet. Uh, No, I see no dedication. Yeah, I feel like this is just a big bullshit dedication is all this is. Mm -hmm. It's just a cutesy way to make a dedication. Okay, I could see that. Yeah. Probably some actual professor at University of Colorado. Probably like, I don't know, one of his daughter's fiancés or something. Spencer Compton. I'll jiggle it. While on routine patrol in the Daneb sector, you receive a transmission on the red monitor from Federation Command. Abort. On the red monitor? Yeah, the red monitor. Well, everything on that monitor in red? Mm-hmm. Abort patrol immediately and proceed to Utopa, fifth planet of Aknar. The planet is experiencing habitat unrest. Use extreme caution. Mike Tanner, the only other scout in your area, will join you as soon as he can get there. Oh no, you think. Another social adjustment mission. You hate being assigned. (laughs) Okay. You hate being assigned to missions that involve interfering with a planet's natural development. But no one has asked for your opinion, as usual. We're not part of Starfleet, apparently. Mm -mm. As a solo scout for the Federation of Planets, your only job is to report and remedy what's wrong with troubled planets in neighboring star systems. So we're basically just being judgy about planets? Yeah. No prime directive for us. Your new orders are troubling for another reason. Utopa is the last place you'd expect to find unrest. By all accounts, it's a paradise. Notable for its peaceful inhabitants, wonderful climate, fertile lands, and beautiful rivers, lakes, and mountains. In fact, throughout the galaxy, it's known as the perfect planet. You remember the day you first learned of Utopa at the Space Academy. In one of your courses on alien life forms, the professor, famous astrovivologist Nera Vivaldi. <laughs> Vivologist? Astrovivologist. So, space, life, study. Okay. Yep. Well, it's good that Nera Vivaldi is back. Yep. I'm surprised it's taken this long for her to show back up. Mm-hmm. I don't remember what the last book was that she opened. I think it was Hyperspace. Yeah, I think so. That was book UFO, 22. UFO 5440. No, sure? she was in uh, Third Planet from Altair. Oh. And she was in the fish, or the um, the one with the dinosaur, Survival at Sea. She gets around. Yeah, she's just like this sort of stock character that he keeps throwing in his books. She's not necessarily the same person in every book. She's just... Uh-huh. A name he likes, that he likes, likes. the name. Yeah. He maybe probably has a friend named Nero Vivaldi. I think it's some chick that he had a crush in high school and never got over. Yeah. No. That sounds right. Famous astrovivologist Nero Vivaldi had asked your class to describe a planet that could be called a perfect planet. She'd called on you to give your answer. Well, you'd said, 
I suppose it would be a planet like Earth, except that the people there would always be peaceful and wouldn't pollute the environment. That's a pretty good reply, Dr. Vivaldi had said, but what about the animals? How do you think a zebra feels when a lion is chasing it? I guess the zebra doesn't think Earth is a perfect planet, you admitted. Laughter had rippled through the classroom, and Dr. Vivaldi had wrapped a piece of chalk on her desk. You may laugh. Okay, thanks. <laughs> You may laugh, she'd said with a smile, but I can assure you, Earth is not a perfect planet. But could there ever be a perfect planet, you'd asked? Indeed, there could be. And is, Dr. Vivaldi had said. Its name is Utopa. Also, perfection is subjective. Not the future, it's not. <laughs> nope. Don't question your superiors. I'm going to assume that this is Edward Packard's perfect planet. Mm -hmm. So there will be no video games. Yeah. Everybody will read Edward Packard books. Mm -hmm. Nero Vivaldi will still love him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds right. You can't remember the rest of Dr. Vivaldi's lecture, but you don't need to. Your computer has complete information on all planets. You set your craft on course for Utopa and punch an access code into your computer. The information rolls by on the monitor. Utopa, Planet 5 of the star Aknar, Gallatin Quadrant. Because it is only two-thirds the size of Earth, Utopa has delightfully low gravity. It has a large crescent-shaped continent that always faces the planet's sun, which is less bright than Earth's sun. The result is that the planet's sunny side has constant pleasant temperatures and soft warm light. There is a large landmass on the planet's dark side, which is presumed to be uninhabited. The ocean water on Utopa is as fresh and pure as a mountain spring. The only animals are mammals. They come in many sizes and shapes, but neither they nor the Utopan humanoids ever prey on each other. On Utopa, all creatures eat slafe, and only slafe. That doesn't sound great. Sounds like an awful light breakfast cereal. Yeah, it's it's light all the time, or it's dark all the time, and they only have one thing to eat. As your standard issue A3 Scout Cruiser enters the orbit of the beautiful blue-green planet, you summon up more data on your computer. You're especially interested in learning more about Slafe, the utopian food. What's that Utopian about? food, sorry. Slafe is people! <laughs> A second later, your computer provides the information you're looking for. Slafe is a sturdy, thick plant with long, dark red root. It is cultivated by the Utopans with help from the Mumpa beasts, gentle, heavy-set animals almost as large as elephants. Mumpa beasts have powerful forelimbs, which they use to dig up the giant slafe roots. Utopans' special fingernails, stronger than steel, enable them to pare the toxic slave skins, which taste so bitter that no animal will bite into them. Once the skins are pared, however, the pulp of the slave is so delicious that neither the Utopans nor the animals ever tire of eating it. It is also totally nutritious and grows so abundantly that no creature on Utopa need ever go hungry. The Utopans provide paired slafe to all creatures on the planet. Utopa is the only planet that has never experienced hunger, disaster, suffering, or war. It is the only known perfect planet. 
Suddenly, the screen goes black. Okay, so the ecology of this place is fucking nonsense. Mm -hmm. Yes. Because if it requires the utopians in order to pair that plant in order for anything to be able to eat it, then nothing would have eaten it until... The utopians were there. Yeah. And had figured out that this was a food source. So you would have carnivores and herbivores and all that stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Performing a normal life cycle. Yeah. Like, should have. Fundamentally, it sounds like the utopians showed up, found that they could pair the plant for every living species on the planet. Yeah. But then, I guess, wiped out all the carnivores so that they wouldn't eat mm-hmm. the herbivores. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And then, what, left a lot of rotting meat laying around? Because the, they don't eat meat? This is the dark history we don't discuss. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm calling bullshit, Edward Packard. <laughs> I also call bullshit. State latest information, you demand. The screen lights up again. Recently, it has been reported that Utopians have abandoned their normal work of pairing slave. This has caused starvation and never-before-seen hostility on the part of the other animals on Utopa. You've hardly finished reading this data when a yellow light signals that your A3 scout is entering Utopa's atmosphere. You quickly adjust the restraints that will cushion you when the ship breaks. The gentle sun is almost directly overhead as your ship lands in a meadow in a mid-latitude part of the landmass. You open the hatch, hop down onto the grass, and set out immediately to look for Utopins. You've gone a few hundred yards when you hear a rumbling sound. Turning, you see two great mumpa beasts. They look like bulls but stand much taller. Their coats are long and shaggy. They're so thin you can see their ribs, and their huge brown eyes are glazed. You feel pity for them until, suddenly, they charge your scout ship at full speed. The impact is frightening. Two fuel lines rupture at once. Yellow flames curl out from the port thruster. A moment later, the Mumpa Beasts and your scout ship go up in a tremendous explosion. Well, there's dinner. You stand there for a long time, shocked by the devastation, trying to figure out what to do. If you decide to inspect the wreckage of your craft, turn to page 10. If you decide to continue in your search for Utopins, turn to page 36. If you decide to bust out the A1 sauce, turn to page 69. Mm-hmm. Well, should we investigate? Because that's how we get barbecue. What was the other option? I was too busy coming up with a joke. Uh, check out your craft or look for Utopins. Uh, which one was the investigate? Checking out the craft? Let's check out the craft. That's where the food's at. Mm-hmm. Number 10, looking for barbecue sauce. Because we always bring our condiments with us when we're on the road. And if this was such a perfect planet, we would already have condiments available. Yep. Yeah. You comb through the wreckage of your scout ship. Little is left of what was once a stunning space machine. <laughs> yeah, it said that. You can't get over the fact that peaceful, gentle animals would senselessly charge a spacecraft. There's no doubt about it. Something is very, very wrong on the perfect planet. Though your ship has been destroyed, luckily, your radio transmitter is still intact. Within the hour, you establish contact with Mike Tanner, the Federation scout who was sent to assist you. During your descent, your computer telemetry had advised you that you were setting down near the Green River. You relay this information to Mike. I'll try to land near the mouth of... Mike's voice fades out as his ship enters the troposphere. 
You circle the wreckage of your craft and climb to the top of a low hill. A few hundred yards away, you see a beautiful green-tinted river. You set out toward it and soon find a trail running along the bank. You feel certain you've found the green river, but which way should you go to get to the river mouth? If you go upstream, turn to page 13. If you go downstream, turn to page 28. So we're flipping a coin again. Oh, I think you'd want to go downstream. Mouth. Like the origin of the stream will be upstream right. and it'll go down. And mouth of a river normally em- empties into some sort of... A bigger bay thing, or, yeah. yeah. Okay, downstream. So I think downstream. As you follow the river downstream, you're struck again by the beauty of Utopa. Every tree has feathery leaves. Some blue-green, some almost gold. They impart a soft, warm quality to the landscape. Along the river are stretches of tall marsh grass. A group of deer-like animals is standing near the edge of the woods. They're bone thin. They look at you with large, imploring eyes. You hurry on, more eager than ever to find out why things have gone so wrong on the perfect planet. The workers are all on strike. What do you want? Mm -hmm. The only sentient being on the planet decided to be a dick. Rounding the next bend in the river, you see a broad, almost flat stretch of hard-packed sand. Beyond it is the sea. As you watch a golden disc-like shape, a scout ship, skims over the water and sets down on the broad, flat beach. It must be Mike Tanner, you think. But it's not. You break into a run, eager to meet your old friend. Mike's landing is perfect. In a few minutes, the two of you are reunited. I flew over a utopian village, Mike says, but it was deserted. They must be hiding in the forests or the caves. That may be why the animals are starving, you say. The Utopians are failing to pair the slave roots for them. It's our job to find out what's happening, Mike says. It seems to me that we have two options. We can take this scout ship up and orbit the planet, or we can explore on foot. Unfortunately, he adds, we can't cruise at suborbital altitude. We'd use too much fuel. If you say let's explore Utopa from orbit, turn to page 56. If you say let's set out on foot, turn to page 32. Well, I mean, if we leave the ship, animals might attack it. Yep. And then we'll be stuck here. But if we go to orbit... We can probably see more from orbit. Maybe, but that honestly sounds super boring to me. It does. I'm fine with being trapped on a perfect planet. Let's hoof it. All right, we're hoofing. We're going to turn into farmers. We can eat any of these animals we've met so far, so... Yeah. I mean, they're all starving. They're all pretty weak, so... Yeah. We could probably choke them out. (laughs) The fact that they haven't figured out to just eat any of the other fucking foliage in the entire fucking... There's so much other foliage around here, and they're... Is it like everything here is poisonous, including the outer husk Mm. of the one thing that isn't? Mm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What a horrible planet. (laughs) I know. It's a garbage planet for garbage people. Seems a little less perfect than we thought. Near Vivaldi is full of shit. That's what I think. You set out following the shoreline, walking on the grassy beach that rims the sea. Gentle waves. That's dirty. <laughs> gentle waves breaking on the tufted grass make a pleasant musical sound. There's no slave along here, Mike says. I don't think we're likely to run into any Utopians. But look, you point to some impressions in the soft, moist grass. Those are tracks of a large animal. Mike leans over. That's dirty. Flicking the grass from side to side with his hand. You're right. And they're pointing in the same direction we are. Probably made by mumpa beasts. 
Let's continue on, you say. The Mumpa Beast must have been looking for Slafe and Utopians to peel it for them. You and Mike hurry on, eager to see where the tracks lead. You fail to notice the two huge half-starved animals charging at you. Again. <laughs> Damn it. What's Mike for if not to notice that shit? Right. Watch it, Mike screams. You have only a split second to think. If you run towards some nearby dead. tall... Already dead. Oh, all right. If you run towards some nearby tall grass, turn to page 18. Aren't we in tall grass? Apparently it's not tall enough. Yeah, I guess. If you run into the ocean, turn to page 51. Do the ocean creatures here also only eat slave? Because... That's a good question. That also seems ridiculous. Yep. I mean, I don't think they're going to follow us into the water. It's almost as if this entire premise is ridiculous. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm good with water. Okay. It seems like we're already in the tall grass, and that's not fucking helping. Yeah, so. let's abandon Mike and go into the ocean. You run toward the ocean, not thinking about whether it will be cold or warm, or even safe to swim in. It's a perfect planet. It's warm. You yeah. wade in it up to your knees. Plunge in and swim as hard as you can. Only when you're almost out of breath do you stop and look back. The mumpa beast that chased you is standing on the shore. Apparently it doesn't like the water. And that fact has saved your life. But Mike wasn't so lucky. Oh, no, too bad. No, we mean, got a ship, damn it. He lies dead. <gasps> gored by the other animal, which now stands over him. Laughing hysterically. <laughs> <laughs> Not knowing what to do after its senseless act. You swim parallel to the shore, hoping the Mumpa Beasts won't follow. The water is warm and fresh and clean. If it weren't for what happened to Mike, you'd really enjoy swimming on Utopa. I don't know. I'm it anyway. <laughs> when you next look around, the Mumpa Beasts are moving off in the other direction. They're walking slowly with their heads low, as if they understood that their violence was wrong and useless. We don't vow revenge for our dead comrade. Nope. Oh. I don't care. We've <laughs> <laughs> been friends for so long, though. Yeah, like four pages. <laughs> it seems safe on the beach now, so you wade out of the ocean. You continue on foot in the same direction, watching for mumba beasts. You hate to leave Mike, but it would be too dangerous to go back, and there's no way you can help him now. The shoreline curves. When you round the bend, you see the slafe forests you expected to find. To the left is a line of low cliffs pockmarked with holes big enough to walk through. They must be caves. You know you've guessed right when you see well-worn paths leading up to several of the openings. As you get nearer, you see slafe roots scattered about, waiting to be paired. You hurry to the nearest cave and peer inside. What you see almost stops your heart. A group of small humanoids huddled around in a circle. At last, you found the Utopians. Why did that almost stop my heart? I don't know. Because they're all looking at you creepily. <laughs> the Utopians' large oval eyes are filled with sadness when they turn to look at you. But they seem too listless and weak to take any interest in the stranger suddenly in their midst. Knowing that Utopians speak the standard galactic language, you call out to them. Friends, I've been set by the Federation Command to help you. I can see your people and animals are in terrible distress. What can I do to help? The Utopians shrug and shake their heads. <clears throat> but then one, 
A woman holding a young child speaks out. We cannot go out. The eye warns us. The evil eye in the sky. We shall be cursed forever if it looks upon us. It's called the sun, chick. Chill. It's been inundated by a cult leader. If you guys are too stupid to survive, then you're too stupid to survive. Religion ruins everything. Yeah. The ecology of this planet should have killed them years ago. So. <laughs> That's true. Speechless, you stare at the woman. You're appalled that the Utopians have been hiding from something called the evil eye. Fucking Sauron. Superstitiously believing that it will place a terrible curse on them. Listen to me, friends, you finally say. Your fear is the worst curse of all. You and all the other creatures on this planet are starving because you're afraid to harvest slave. The Utopians perk up as you speak. They can't ignore your earnestness. But still, they shake their heads. Their senseless fear is too deeply rooted. You glance at their powerful curved nails, genetically fashioned for one purpose, pairing the slave fruit. Something no other creature on Utopa, including you, can do. Because apparently we don't know what the fuck a knife is. Yep. <laughs> Desperately, you try to think. Time is short. Soon these Utopians will be too weak to pair slave. Then all will be lost. Hey, buddy, how about you go outside the fucking cave, grab the slave that the other animals dropped off for them to pair, bring it in the fucking cave, let them do it. Mm-hmm. Boom, came over. I'd just like to point out that Everett Packard has managed to do a white savior story with a totally fictional species of creature. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, he did. If you tell the Utopians that the evil eye has left and it's safe to come out, turn to page 30. Hmm. If you try to convince them that they must not be afraid of the evil eye, turn to page 53. As a white savior, I am convinced that I can speak reason to these people Mm -hmm. and completely and totally absolve them of their fears. Mm-hmm. That's true. If they're that gullible... No, I'm can, that ridiculous. Right. Well, we can be their god then. Which is my aim in this now. Okay. <laughs> Alright. So we're going to try to talk some sense into these... Morons? Idiot <laughs> aliens. Okay, cool. Listen to me. Okay. <clears throat> listen. You must listen to me, you plead. I feel sure the evil eye was placed in the sky to frighten you. Really? Yep, really. As one of our great Earth leaders once said, you have nothing to fear but fear itself. Also, fake news. (laughs) If you come out and prepare the slave, you and the animals will have a chance of surviving. And grab them by the pussy. (laughs) But if you just hide in your caves, you will surely die. To your dismay, none of the Utopians move. Damn it. They seem paralyzed by fear. Again and again, you plead with them. Still, no one makes a move. Your eyes meet those of the woman cradling the young child in her arms. Her eyes are blurred by tears, and your heart goes out to her. You hold out a hand. I will try it, she says. I cannot bear to see my child starve while I do nothing. The woman walks out of the cave and ignites instantly. Not really. Mm, yes, I <laughs> the woman walks out of the cave and lays her child gently on the grass. Oh, she's sacrificing her child to the evil eye, too. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right. Then, while you watch in amazement, she bends over a slave root. Her steel-hard nails extend like a cat's claws as she brings her fingers down, raking them along the smooth brown tuber, and the toxic skin peels off. Eagerly, she bites into the succulent root. 
She claws out some pulp and places it in her baby's outstretched hand. Maybe you should, like, introduce industry to these people so they don't have to do that themselves. (laughs) Brilliant white savior! That's right. (laughs) You smile as you watch the child devour the tasty morsels. In a few seconds, the utopian woman has prepared far more slafe than she and her baby can eat. You scoop out a chunk of slafe with your fingers and hungrily bite into it. It's delicious, and after only a few bites, your hunger is satisfied. The other Utopians had been cautiously watching from the cave. Now they rush out and attack the slave roots, paring off the toxic skins with lightning speed. You move back away, watching with pleasure. Then you notice a few animals standing at the edge of the brush. Undoubtedly, they were attracted by the enticing aroma of freshly peeled slave. Among the animals were two huge mumpa beasts. The ones that killed your friend. That's right. That's what I thought. You stab them to death. For a moment. And corrupt the entire planet. <laughs> For a moment, you're afraid they'll charge, but they stand patiently like docile horses, apparently content that the Utopians are again preparing slafe as they always have. Suddenly, a Utopian lets out a cry of alarm. You look up in the sky and see an ovoid shaped object that looks like a huge distorted eye. The eye ship. Okay. Mm-hmm. The Utopians quiver like frightened rabbits. You jump on a rock. It's all right. You have nothing to fear, you yell. The Utopians listen. They watch nervously as the eye ship drifts overhead and passes out of sight over the horizon. Then they resume work on the slave roots. Soon they have all had their fill, and the animals move in and take their turn. One of the Utopians walks up to you. We are very grateful to you. We shall spread the word amongst the rest of our people of your greatness. You're clearly far smarter and more superior than us. Hell yeah. Greatest white saviors ever. It only cost us our friend and our ship. Yeah, but we still have our friendship because that's what friends are for. Yep. He put. (laughs) Friendship. (laughs) (laughs) He puts out his hand. If the Utopians were capable of aggression, those fingernails could shred your wrist in a single movement, you think. You shake the clawed hand. The evil eye did not harm us, the Utopian says. But why does it circle our planet like this? What does it mean? You shake your head. It's clear you haven't yet solved the Utopians' problems. Whoever is behind the evil eye may soon try other means to destroy these gentle people. The following day, the Utopians help you find your way back to Mike's scout ship. Fortunately, no Mumpa Beasts have attacked it while you were gone. You switch on the radio. If you set the radio on continuous distress call to the Federation, turn to page 90. If you decide to try to make radio contact with the power behind the evil eye, turn to page 61. Yeah. Yeah, we're gone now. Let's do that. Yeah, we can convince the eye that it is everybody's best friend. It didn't fucking attack anybody. It didn't say nasty things to anybody. It just flew As far as they said, it's just been circling the planet. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You begin to send out a standard interlog, a message to all points. Do you hear me? Hoping that whoever controls the eye ship will respond. Within seconds, you receive a message. Earthling, your message is acknowledged. This is Kodor, Regent of the Galaxy. We have been monitoring your every move. Our command ship, made invisible behind an ion shield, will pass over you in 83 Earth seconds. Ion shield? Ah, ah. 
We shall drop our shield so you can see our ship. On hearing this, you open the hatch on Mike's scout. Shouldn't we call, just call it our scout now? Yeah, it is ours now. <laughs> Why are yeah, we calling it Mike's? That's right. To honor our fallen comrade, and who was too dumb to escape some starving, <laughs> charging beasts. <laughs> you open the hatch on Mike's scout and look upward. The bright blue sky is empty. Suddenly, a sizable portion of the sky is blotted out. A huge disc-shaped object is drifting overhead. Though it can't be more than a few hundred feet off the ground, it appears to be smooth and seamless. There are no wings or engines or thrusters. Obviously, it's a product of a very advanced technology. You realize how hopeless it would be for you to try to combat this ruthless alien in Mike's scout. Ruthless? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like we're jumping to conclusions a little bit. Our job is to fly from planet to planet and be judgy. Uh So clearly we're We're being judgy right now. We're doing our job. All right. (laughs) Kodor's power might be too formidable even for the combined forces of the Federation. You radio back. Respectfully request, what are your intentions? We will take several hundred slave plants black to the planet Nantor. Why are you terrifying the Utopians, you ask? You must realize that they and all animals on this planet will starve if you don't remove the eye ships. We know that, Kodor replies. We never harvest plants from a planet until we kill all the troublesome creatures on it. <laughs> Why? Apparently it was a good assumption on our part. And we didn't know any of this beforehand? Like, this guy's not wanted? They just want a few hundred plants. Yeah. Why would they need to wipe out the, the populace yeah, to do that? Exactly. This we do by simply letting them destroy themselves. You see, we always do things as efficiently as possible. That is why I am regent of the galaxy. We wait around for a couple of weeks while they slowly starve to death. Yeah, that's a Baron Zemo strategy. Ridiculous. This book is ridiculous. <laughs> Not to spoil my recommendation or not of the book ahead of time but you pass your hand across your forehead brushing away the sweat that is formed there how tragic that such great power has fallen into the hands of an insane creature killing the creatures on this planet is not the most effective thing to do you radio back why not kodor asks (laughs) it must be i always do the most efficient thing it's not you reply (laughs) the end (laughs) There's so much slave on this planet that the Utopians can easily spare 700 plants. In fact, if you ask them nicely, I'm sure they'll dig the plants and load them aboard your ship. And because they know these plants so well, they're less likely to injure themselves. Oh, less likely to injure them, the plants, sorry. How is it that Ever Packard managed to white savior two alien races <laughs> he's in a, the same fucking book? He's a good writer. <laughs> <laughs> That would be the most efficient way. There's a long pause. Then you hear Kodor's (laughs) voice again. Though you are nothing more than a barbarian to us, Earthling, what you say is logical. And since I am always logical, I shall do as you suggest. Yep. Hell yeah. Wow. Yep. Shortly afterward, Zarg Tans, Kodor's ambassador, lands nearby in a shuttlecraft, and you introduce him to the Utopian leaders. Once reassured that they will not be harassed by the evil eye, the Utopians are more than willing to provide Kodor with the 700 slave plants he wants. 
Once the eyeship has been removed, the gentle Utopans go back to work and quickly restore the health of all creatures. Soon Utopa is once again the perfect planet. Many years have passed since you were a young scout on a mission to Utopa. The end. In that time, you've risen through the ranks. Now you're Commodore of the Federation, with the greatest fleet in the galaxy under your command. Thanks to your brilliant leadership, mm -hmm. the sun's area of the galaxy is at peace, and Earth people have nothing to fear from alien forces. Under these conditions, your role as Commodore is not to win battles, but to prevent hostilities from arising. There are still many unexplored parts of the galaxy, and no one can be sure that some evil genius is not at work somewhere, plotting the conquest of the spiral arm that holds the sun. The Federation sends thousands of probe craft out each year seeking intelligence in unknown realms, and your spaceships must be constantly updated and new battle techniques learned, so that if ever a threat should arrive, the Federation space fleet will be ready. So we let that guy live and just go about his business, uh -huh. and he hasn't caused trouble yet. So far, several years. Hmm. Well, I mean, we did teach him how to be more logical than he already mm -hmm. was. Mm -hmm. A bright spring morning at the Lockmore Space Base near Carthage, Missouri, finds you going over the latest intelligence reports from the Omega Sector. One seemingly routine report brings a scowl to your face. For the first time since you were last there, trouble has been reported on Utopa, okay. the perfect planet. The report reveals that the trouble arises not from some alien force, but from creatures on the planet itself. A mutated species. The three-horned Zetgeese have become immune to the toxic skin of the slave root. They are, therefore, able to eat slave without help from the Utopans. As a result, the number of Zetgeese on Utopa has been growing steadily. Presently, there's no great problem. There's still plenty of slave for all the creatures on Utopa. But since there are no predators on Utopa, there's nothing to stop the Zetgeese population growth. They threaten to overrun the planet, consuming Slaif at an alarming rate. Sweet, we get to play God again and kill these things. Why is this story still going on? We won! We, it should be over. <laughs> what will happen when there's no longer enough Slaif? Are you sure you didn't go to the wrong page yes. or something? <laughs> yeah. All right. What will happen when there's... I mean, we're old now. We're like... Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah, we're like 16 and not 13. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> what will happen when there's no longer enough slave for the Utopians and other animals to eat, you wonder? Surely the outcome will be catastrophic. There's little doubt in your mind that the Mumpa Beast will go crazy with frustration, just as they did when Kodor terrorized the planet many years ago. You have a warm spot in your heart for Utopa. You saved it once Place before. Where your best friend died. <laughs> you saved it once before, and you're determined to do what you can to save it again. It takes only a few days to clear your desk and plan your mission. Soon you're on your way, traveling at meta speed aboard the Federation's flagship, Omricon, heading for Utopa. As Omricon slides into a comfortable orbit around Utopa, your scanners transmit a series of computer-enhanced images of the planet's surface. The situation has deteriorated far more than you'd feared. The three-horned Zetkis are everywhere. Nuke it from orbit. It's the only way to be sure. That's right. To hell with this stupid planet. Millions of acres of slave forest lie stripped and bare. 
The Utopians and other animals have been driven to a few remote areas. Already their supplies of slave are growing scarce. They all looked well nourished, but it's obvious that they must spend more and more time each day searching for slave where once they could find it in abundance, growing close at hand. Life on the perfect planet is turning into a nightmare. You pace back and forth in the control room of the flagship, wondering what you can do. This book is turning into a nightmare. Mm -hmm. If you decide to order your attack forces to exterminate most of the Zetkis, turn to page 67. Yep. Don't even read the other choices. (laughs) Just that one. If you try to set up a preserve and wall off the Zetkis from the Utopians and the other animals, turn to page 71. If you decide to try to turn your ship into sort of a Noah's Ark and take some of the Utopians and other animals... (laughs) Does it say sort of? Yes. (laughs) And a quantity of slave plants on board and set them up on some other planet, turn to page 94. What the hell is that option? (laughs) White, White savior option. If you feel that it's futile to try to keep Utopia as the perfect planet and decide to just let nature take its course, turn to page 73. Oh, I'm reasonable. Is, is there a fifth option? No. Four options. Four, four options. Lord. I'm super fine with nature that, taking its course like, and we never even having to have shown up. Saving these stupid aliens time and time again. Mm-hmm. 67 yeah, and 73 both are sound options. Let's prime opinion. directive this shit and just not interfere. Yeah. Like we should have done the first time around. Uh-huh. Sure. Would have still had our friend. Yep, and our ship. Good old friend and ship. Good old friend ship. <laughs> you order your task force to set course for Earth without delay. It would be impossible to save the perfect planet from the law of the jungle. Anyway, you tell yourself, a planet that needs to be saved can't be called perfect to begin with. Yeah, no shit. Wow. <laughs> There are thousands of other problems in the galaxy more pressing than this one. You'll try to put Utopia out of your mind and accept reality. Try, I already have. (laughs) The perfect planet is an impossibility. Turn to page 106. (laughs) Fuck you, Edward Packard. (laughs) Jesus. Uh, 106. Nearly 10 years pass before a passing scout craft sends back word about Utopia. You're now president of the entire Federation. Hell yeah. And, of course, extremely busy with your work. We're, what, 26 now? Mm-hmm. Yes. At first, you toss the dispatch aside. You don't really want to read about the Utopians and other animals that must have starved as the three-horned Zetkis overran the island continent. Then curiosity gets the better of you, and you pick up the dispatch. That was a waste of a sentence. <laughs> To Federation Command, R.E. Utopa. Upon landing, I found that the Utopians and other animals were all alive and in good condition. Yay! The excess Zetgis died from eating a plant that was harmless to all other forms of life. Oh, too bad. This plant had sprung up where large areas had been stripped of slafe by the Zetgis. Slafe is now growing back everywhere, and Utopa is growing more perfect every day. Scout A7. The End. Good. Yay, leave shit alone. Don't be a white savior. Sometimes shit works out for its own. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that was that was 
That was rough. <laughs> if it had just ended where it needed to end, uh-huh. it would have been fine. Yeah. It was dumb. It was massively dumb. Yeah. But it was a fun kind of dumb. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But then it went all Return of the King and just couldn't fucking find an ending. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Three hours later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't even want to keep talking about it. It's just dragging this whole thing out. Uh-huh. Yep. Uh, pass. I don't. I don't need this. Yeah. You I, don't need this. If no. you're listening, you don't need this. Nobody needs this. Don't even listen to this. No. <laughs> oh wait. Yeah. Turn this off now. <laughs> or turn it off uh, two hours ago or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Try and get the time back that you just lost. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. No recommend from me. No. That was rough. Yeah. Still not in her Packard's worst book. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, well, uh, thanks for listening. Uh, if you want to check out more Choose Your Adventure stuff, go to CYOA.com. If you want more stuff from Incredibly Daring, go to IncrediblyDaring.com. I'm Jason. I'm Connie. I'm Jeremy. Bye. Bye.